0: Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Our reading for the Divine Mercy Sunday comes from St. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, and I hope you will take time to read and meditate on it. It is the second of the resurrection appearances recorded by John. The opening verse reads, On the evening of the first day of the week, In other words, Jesus appeared to his apostles on the evening of Easter Sunday. The evening of his resurrection from the dead. Now, consider for a moment what that means. Jesus went through the trauma of a mock trial... The brutal Roman punishment of scourging, rejection by his people, a three hour long agony of his crucifixion, his death, his descent into the abode of the dead to proclaim the good news rising from the dead, made an appearance to Mary Magdalene at the tomb, instructing her to go to the apostles with a message, and now he appeared to his apostles, who are overwhelmed with grief, immersed in fear, as they huddled in a locked room. And where there is fear, confusion and doubt are often present as well. All this tells us that the divine mercy never rests. Then we are told that Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Remember, the door was locked and yet the Lord suddenly appeared in the room telling us that his resurrected body is no longer bound by the laws of physics as we understand them. He can be anywhere at any time. By the way, what is true for Jesus will be true for us in our resurrection. His sudden appearance had to have been a jolting experience for the apostles, perhaps adding momentarily to their confusion and fear, which is perhaps why the first thing the Lord said to them was what? Peace be with you. In Hebrew, shalom, a typical greeting at the time, that quite frankly had pretty much lost its spiritual value. That God's peace find rest in your soul. That God be the source of your strength. And the apostles' reaction? The text tells us they rejoiced. Paralyzing fear, the darkness of grief, even the greater darkness of confusion gave way to truth. Jesus is not dead. He's alive, he has risen, and he has appeared to his apostles. Jesus gave them, again, peace, shalom. And then, a mission. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, what does that mean? (coughs) There is no time for delay. If the divine mercy does not rest, the apostles must not rest from the work they were appointed for, despite the trauma they experienced, despite the hostility of the world waiting for them outside their locked door. And was true for them is true for us. But then Jesus did something rather odd. We are told, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This act of breathing on the apostles should take us back to what book of scripture? Genesis. God breathed into the nostrils of the newly formed but lifeless body of Adam, making him now a living being. Jesus, the son of God and the new Adam in his resurrected and glorified humanity, does what his father did, infuses divine life into the traumatized, lifeless souls of his apostles. And consider for a moment that the same was done to us in our baptism. The same was done to us in our confirmation. The same is done to us when we receive the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of the risen one in Holy Eucharist. The same is done when we go to him in confession, just as the risen one's resurrected presence infused divine life in his apostles for their mission, so too the risen one's sacramental presence infuses his delight divine life in us, helping us to overcome our fears, our interior darkness, whatever its nature, our confusion, our failures, our sins, and not stay shut up in our locked rooms. But go and fulfill our mission to defy the hostility of the world and proclaim the good news that what we have received from Jesus, every human being can receive. And we must do this, because there's not much time left for humanity. And who was the apostles' first guinea pig to try out their mission? Thomas, he was not in the room when Jesus appeared. And Thomas's response was, well, less than encouraging. Thomas said to his brothers, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, what was going on with Thomas? Perhaps Thomas was really from Missouri, you know, the show-me state whose people have always preferred common sense, the resurrection, the sudden appearance of Jesus in a room despite a locked door, well, it just sounds awfully odd. Unbelievable. And no amount of testimony from Thomas's brothers would budge him until he experienced what they did and more. It makes you wonder what the apostles thought. If this was the response from one of our own, What will the response be from those in the outside world? Perhaps Thomas was still trapped in his own grief and confusion. Very often, people in that state just seem to be out of phase with everyone around them going over and over the chain of events that led to the loss of their loved one perhaps even getting trapped in that never ending cycle of if only I had done this or I had done that this would not have happened perhaps Thomas was dealing with overwhelming guilt like the others he, too, fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Lord asked them to stay awake and pray with him. Like the others, he, too, abandoned the Lord from the moment he was arrested right up to the Lord's death on the cross. It is possible. Thomas's guilt was just too much for him. Perhaps Thomas would not believe because if he did, he would have had to accept the fact the Lord had forgiven him. And he may have thought he was unforgivable. You know, going around thinking you're unforgivable is really a lot easier than accepting forgiveness. Why? Well, being unforgivable allows one to stay trapped in the past as some sort of self-imposed punishment. Accepting forgiveness, however, accepting mercy always means moving forward in life. Whatever the reason for Thomas's refusal to accept the testimony of his brothers, the risen Lord took up Thomas's challenge. The Gospel tells us, now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. The Lord came again on the eighth day, the second Sunday of Easter, And the text tells us the door was, once again, locked. Jesus appeared to them, wished them peace, shalom, and then put Thomas in the crosshairs. Put your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. For as long as I can remember, I often wondered, what Thomas's reaction was, if he really did what he insisted he had to do to believe and took up Jesus's offer. And I've often wondered about the reaction of the other apostles to all the drama between Jesus and Thomas. Well, we simply don't know. The gospel only tells us that Jesus offered to fulfill Thomas' demands, but says nothing if Thomas did or didn't take up Jesus' offer. Now, this suggests a couple of things. First, the divine mercy will overcome every obstacle to our salvation, motivated by nothing other than infinite love for each of us, so each of us can fulfill our mission in this life. Second, the real question. It's not if Thomas did or did not accept the Risen One's offer to physically probe his wounds. No, the real question the Gospel asks is, would you? You see, we're very much like Thomas. There are moments in our lives when we go through the motions of faith. But for whatever reasons, we have disconnected ourselves from the essence of faith. There are moments when we are overwhelmed by our inadequacies, our failures, our sins, our disappointments. There are moments when we are confused, frightened, and often make poor choices that only add to our burdens. And we either do not or will not hear the testimony of our brothers and sisters in the church. Making us vulnerable to spiritual wolves who pretend to have the truth. It is in such moments the divine mercy reminds us of his infinite love for us, the potential he sees in us, whether we see it or not. We might not be in a locked room, but we can be and a locked heart. And the risen Lord, in his mercy, wants to liberate us from such a deadly imprisonment. Christ is risen, truly he is risen.